Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 23rd of April 2017. I'm sure everyone's wondering what's happening in the world. I mean, what's really happening in the world? Because news today is uh, so limited and so vetted by the authority, and we do have the authority in the world, to decide what we're going to be told, what we're not going to be told, and what we're supposed to believe, and so on. It's, it's, never, it's never been so vetted as it is today. And if you've noticed, since the time of the, the Levison Inquiry in Britain, who was a big um, Lord Justice, I think they call him, for Britain, who set their laws a few years ago, the new laws have to do with what you can say and what you can't say for journalists. And then his counterpart, I think it was Finkelstein in Australia, um, news has been getting scarcer and scarcer, real news. There's no doubt about that. It's intentional. It's also to do with the fact we're going through this century of change, the 21st century. I've mentioned it before in many talks, is a century for change. Uh, the big organization that kind of manages the world with many different parts, of course, naturally, world, have world managers managing the money systems and other ones managing different parts of it, but there's definitely a world system, a world governance system in control. And I've gone through the history of, of much of one part of it, which was a, the Lord Alfred Milner Group going into the Council on Foreign Relations for the U.S. and Canada, and also a big branch they have for the whole European Union now, too. So it doesn't matter who you vote for. Once they're into the Parliament in, in Europe, they're still the top members are still members of this global society. And um, uh, the Royal Institute for International Affairs it was, was the main group uh, that ran it, uh, supposedly, although many of the members were not really British at all at the time. But the goal was always a world government with a world system where populations would be trained, trained scientifically to really be basically obedient, docile, happy people, except for uh, the managerial class, which would be drawn out of them at the top. And they would be, be the, the world managers, basically, who were in on more of what was happening, why it's happening, and so on. The public wouldn't need that. They would be heavily entertained, maybe even drugged, in fact. And they talked about this for as far back as the 1930s. What's really amazing is that the Royal Institute for International Affairs, this private organization that basically runs the media too for, for Britain and elsewhere, at the very top, the big club, and the Council on Foreign Relations, the American branch, uh, they have their own vault, really, for history. Because they have their own true version of it, going back in, way into the 1800s at least. And, and, and they boast proudly, according to their historians of, of the past, that they've been behind most of the major changes of the 20th century, including wars, in fact. And wars were necessary to get people on their knees, basically. So they'd give up sovereignty and unite into blocks. So the European bloc came out of it. And the North American bloc, there's still 
arguing at the moment, in fact, about that again, <laughs> because NAFTA was, was part of that too. And they wanted a, a, an American block, a whole continent, basically. And then one for the Far East. And I've gone through many lectures in the past from their own records and uh, talking about this over the years. And you'll find it in cuttingthroughmatrix.com archive section. So I won't go into it all again. It's too, I get bored with it because I've, I've said it so many times and read it so much. But there's no doubt about it. The whole plan has always been to create a, a stratified society of elites at the top who basically manage and own everything. They're really, really wealthy. Underneath them, the scientific community, which um, would help manage society and control society. And that's all the sciences. That's your sociology and psychology. Now they have neuroscience involved in it, all kinds of sciences. Uh, and to, to rear the children into the, this, the, the, to believing that they know everything, even in the bottom strata. And most of the folk belong to the bottom strata, and they do believe <laughs> that they know everything. They really think, they've been trained to think, that what they're given as news is all, all there is to know. And it's, it's quite incredible to realize we're living in a scientifically controlled system. As I've said before, many of the big players wrote about it rather openly. And Lord Bertrand Russell, I've mentioned him, he was involved with different groups, all working together, these groups. There were circles within circles, and but they all worked together in a, especially a post-World War II system to create the cultures for the West to destroy the family unit gradually, to weaken it, and to weaken um, even sovereignty of the state. And also to, to uh, basically get rid of uh, the prevailing religions and been awfully successful. All the way down to promoting sex, uh, heavily sex and drugs at the same time, to, to basically destroy the whole concept of bonding in marriage. So you would just have lots of sex but no permanent mate, in other words. Uh, it was all planned long before I was born. And... Uh, and you too, most of you. So that's what you're living through. You're living through a scientifically controlled system. And I mean it too. There's much I could say about lots of things, but I really can't. I really can't. It's not really safe to say too much about too many things, uh, especially in this day and age. It's getting worse all the time. But um, everything you're given in media, you better question. You better question. There are big powerful forces set up all kinds of systems and, and apparent opposites as well. And nothing really is ever what it seems to be. And when you start getting used, and I mean used, big time, right down to your vote, for instance, well, it's, your, it's yourself you have to be aware of because the old story, you know, fool me once, Shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. But folk keep getting fooled over and over and over again. They take everything at its propaganda value. And uh, I've given many talks in the past about uh, alternative medias going way back into the, uh, 
the stories to do with the ones from the 60s onwards, what was behind it and what runs it, nothing really has changed. So you must always question everything. It's up to you, you know. People will always do what they're going to do anyway. And, and that's very, very true. It's very true. And there's some people who can get beat up and beat up and beat up a hundred times by the same people and they'll go back for more. That is awfully true as well. That's very, very true. But uh, we live in an age where most folk, in a sense, are conditioned to like that which is given out by the media. And if you look going way back to maybe 1950s or whatever, the whole idea was the success stories, success stories, Hollywood and so on, and achieving lots of money meant you were somehow now important. didn't matter if you were still as dumb as could be. As long as you had the money, you were awfully important, and it's never changed. But it's definitely a misconception because you've been given false ideals to follow. And because of having false ideals, you, you, you miss what, what should be looking you in the face at times. You really do miss it. And you can be given role models to follow, the wrong ones too. And that's been done over and over and over again by the culture creators, again from the 60s onwards, all the wrong, <laughs> the wrong types of role models. And anyone who is good, is, uh, especially in the male line, uh, is generally stupid, dumb, and his children laugh at him. That's your standard comedy show as to the present day. That's not by accident. It's hard for people to accept that you're living through a very precise planned agenda. Now, I've, I've read from the books from many of the managers of the past and some of the present. I've read it uh, on the air when I was doing broadcasting. And... They're quite blatant about the control techniques used on society, uh, how to alter their opinions, how to give them opinions, and how to to manage and manipulate them. That's what most of it's about. Uh, but m- unfortunately, most of it's altered to how to keep you in the dark. About, in fact, not to even question things. When you think about it, all the things that do go on with a big agenda right in your face and neon lights, it's the resuming of constant conflict, wars, 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 wars. That's what's had to happen now. I even read the articles from the from the military magazine about constant conflict, and we're in it again. It's, it's all there. It's the same people behind as George Bush Jr. and so on to please the same people again uh, and get it all done, get the whole job done. And it's not going to be an easy task for quite some time to come. But in a century alone, as I say, there's so many things to be accomplished. And one of the main things to be accomplished is to, to actually weary the people out, down eventually, just weary them out with things which are presented to them as news, which aren't really news at all, but just to get them so sick of it until they'd rather watch, and this is pretty well here, they'd rather watch TV, their favorite programs, entertainment or comedies or something, than know what's happening. And that's to wean people away from the idea, once democracy's done its job, because all the wars are, are always are pushed under the banner of bringing democracy. 
uh, or freedom, <laughs> like Operation Iraqi Freedom, we're bringing you democracy, they said, and uh, they called it um, revolutionary democracy, you're forcing upon people that didn't want it. Well, at the same time, your masters plan to take the idea of democracy gradually away from you by you just giving up on it. And you'll say, well, we don't really need it anymore. We're being governed pretty good. And that's, that's scientific governance. The most difficult thing to get across to someone who's really brainwashed and who doesn't know they're brainwashed. I mean, perfect brainwashing means you don't know you've been brainwashed. And you might think you've been brought up in an open and free society. Uh, and you're, you're oblivious to the fact that your opinions and your likes and dislikes and so on are literally instilled into you by professional techniques, by professionals. And it's across the board. All means of communication is definitely utilized to make sure that everyone's standardized along the same kind of path. You can't have a variety of ones getting diff- taught different things except for the, the ones who are picked for the managing class at the top. And when you go into, for instance... Russell again, and remember all the things that Russell talked about more openly. You you, you won't get so many of them today. <laughs> be quite as open, except in really hefty textbooks, perhaps used in, in MIT for their own groupings of of future managers, basically, because the general public um, had to be kept in ignorance. And uh, but but it goes all the way back to Russell, who was open about it, and the policies they set in stone way back then. And eventually when he joined, Russell joined with the Macy Group, then the Frankfurt School, then a few other organizations, all to do with global, a global system of managing the planet and the people in it. He actually um, said in, in one of his books, The Scientific Outlook, he called it, he wrote a, a chapter to education in that one. And he talked about the tiered system of oligarchs at the top all the way down to the, the basic people at the bottom. But above the basic people, you'd have the scientific rulers. And he said, too, that there'd be different kinds of education, one for the ordinary people, the men and women, and another one for those who would be managing them uh, in all c- categories of society, in psychology and sociology, etc., uh, etc., And he said ordinary men and women would be expected to be docile, industrious, punctual, uh, thoughtless, and contented. Of these qualities, probably contentment will be considered the most important. In order to produce it, all the researches of psychoanalysis, behaviorism, and biochemistry will be brought into play, and all the boys and girls will learn from an early age to be what is called cooperative that is, to do exactly what everyone else is doing. Initiative will be discouraged in these children, and insubordination without being punished will be scientifically trained out of them. Now, I've given talks over the years about all of these things being used in schools, and it's been more and more prevalent over the last 10, 15 years, perhaps, as they step up the schemes. Because, as I say, everything's planned long before they put things into action. And they they test them out in small groups before they they do it across the board. But now it's pretty well across the board. And if you look at schools today, uh, and and you take what he's talking about there, you'll find that those who go to the the elite private schools 
are given a bit more insight into how the world is run and how things really work, as opposed to the people who go to the general schools. In fact, many of the schools, as you well know, are, are a joke today. They're an absolute joke. And that, that's intentional too, by the way. When he talks about um, how the children would learn in school to be cooperative, uh, well, that's what you have. You have groupthink in school today, uh, where everything's so-called democratic, but it's, gu- it's, it's guided by the teacher to guide them all to, to the right conclusion in the so-called democracy. So, you, so it's groupthink, basically. And anyone who doesn't go along with the group is basically ostracized until he or she gives in uh, and accepts what the rest of them have decided. So, so it's all there. And um, initiative uh, questions that, that upset the teachers because they're too direct and maybe really important, the teachers are very often will, will put that child down, generally boys, as being uh, disruptive, hyper, and next thing you know, they'll be on uh, medication, psychoactive drugs prescribed to them to make them uh, more docile. So they'll sit quiet like the girls and, and just listen without, with, with no light in their eyes at all because they, they, don't want, they don't want people being a problem down the road. If they grew up to be adults with the same kind of mind, of uh, inquiring mind, then there could be a problem. And, and Russell touched on that too, that those who, who, who had the intellect perhaps of the ruling oligarchs would have to be basically killed, is, is the way you put it. They called it the lethal chamber. <laughs> uh, that uh, if they wouldn't join the oligarch party, uh, he might may oppose it, and he might get folk to listen to him, because he'd, he'd have the understanding of what was happening. He'd, he'd be a danger, and they'd have to get rid of them. And you'll laugh all you want if, if you want to, but these things have happened. When you have when you have so many young boys uh, being diagnosed with this new fake nonsense. Uh, under the, the, the fake psychiatry that they're using uh, to shut them up from questioning things. Young boys are not meant to sit for hours and hours and hours uh, in school, uh, listen to boring stuff, a lot, most of which at school today is irrelevant. It really is. It's padded as well. And, uh, and it certainly is padded because we know that the examinations they had 100 years ago uh, up to the age of 12 was way, was way beyond what they're getting today at 18 years. And the reason they're in school to 18 years today is because, because they want you to keep, to keep you off the unemployment bureau. Now, it, it rolls, basically. That's really what it's for. So, and again, to get more indoctrination, it's more important you get indoctrination. And you, you, can, be, you can be psyched out as well because they're always testing you in school when you're, you're not even aware of it. But again, getting back to Russell, he talked about this, and all this stuff is in play today. Uh, all, you're taught what everyone else is taught. Um, initiative is discouraged. Uh, look at the children today. That, that, and people, oh, the, the commonest thing they'll say about children today, there's no light in their eyes. They're not interested in it. They have no natural curiosity of anything. So initiative is discouraged, you see. And insubordination without being punished will be scientifically trained out. And well, that's what all this bullying about is. Don't, don't fight back. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know? Until, until literally, <laughs> it, it's trained out of them. 
So it's all happening as we live, because all that all that they planned uh, a long time ago has had to happen and be fulfilled in this century. And they really believe they can create the perfect society of docile, manageable people who who will do whatever they're told. Uh, I often think about that. Um, all the programming, the predictive programming they put in the old Star Trek series under the guise of traveling over the galaxy was actually about the problems on Earth. You know, overpopulation had that, that in it too. Folk would voluntarily uh, get diseases just to die, basically. Uh, population would be controlled in Star Trek with, uh, with uh, computerized kills, just a game. But real people would be living in the game areas and they'd have to go into the euthanasia booths and things like that. This is all training, 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 constantly, constantly uh, for a purpose. Because as they grow up, they get more and more nonsense about the world's overpopulated. Your own countries are declining in population, supposedly. And the reason that, uh, that they keep flooding it with, with more and more immigrants is supposedly to keep the population up. So there's no pleasing the masters. There's no pleasing the masters. Uh, therefore, uh, you, you can't win. It's not meant that you win. This is a world agenda. A world agenda. So they must bring in the overpopulated uh, people into the underpopulated or the, or the stable uh, populated people. Uh, countries, they must bring them in and make it all appear across the whole board, across the whole world, overpopulated, to give the same rules out about depopulation, how they're going to depopulate. Right down to, to given, I mean, they've even had volunteers in schools of children going forward actually volunteering uh, for, to, to be sterilized, to save the world, Mother Nature and all that stuff. And I've given talks about that would, that would happen years ago, uh, only to read the articles from the mainstream when actually people did come forward and, and say these things. So we're living through an agenda. It's quite simple. It's only your indoctrination that doesn't allow you to, to believe it. Because we're all, we all believe we're so smart, so clever. We couldn't, we couldn't be fooled. We, we think we'll all come to our own conclusions. No, we don't. They've trained, they've trained the world very much like Russell talked about uh, when he talked about you could make the children believe anything with the right kind of indoctrination. Uh, he, said, uh, he said here, uh, the subject will make great strides when it's taken up by scientists. This is indoctrination and under a scientific dictatorship. The social psychologists of the future will have a number of classes of school children on whom They'll try different methods of producing an unshakable conviction that snow is black. Now, he's given me a, a, an example of it, basically, uh, in satire. Various results will soon be arrived at. Uh, first, that the influence of home is obstructive. Second, that not much can be done unless indoctrination begins before the age of 10. Third, that verses set to music and repeatedly intoned are very effective. This repetition, repetition, repetition. Fourth, that the opinion that snow is white must be held to show a morbid taste for eccentricity. But I anticipate it's for the future scientists to make these maxims precise and discover exactly how much it costs per head to make John believe the snow is black and how much less it would cost to make them believe it's dark grey. Now just take that into global warming. 
global warming, the seas rising, not that you never prove it's rising because all the actual physical studies, not the computer models, where people go to the same places every year in every country and test the depths around the coast, show no increase at all. That doesn't matter. That's what you're meant to believe. Just like believe that snow is black. (laughs) What you believe. And it's all been done today. And all those are on board with it. All the governments are on board with it. The same governments that are on board as one one party. One party. One. It's not even a political party, really. They're managers, basically. They're put in there under the old regime of political parties. But the ones at the top all know what their job is, and they're all total globalists. And they've been they've been vetted. They've been. They've been uh, put straight, you might say, as to what their role in the agenda will be. And they're all for a, for a borderless society. They're all for depopulation. They're all for bringing the people into austerity by massive taxations of all kinds, including carbon taxes, etc. And the control it gives them to eventually meet their mandates. Now, suppose you get a country like Canada, and I'll say, oh, it's terrible, the carbon... Taxes we paid uh, this winter is phenomenal because people had to heat themselves or they'd freeze to death. But then the, the government will say, well, we're told by the global government, you see, that we've gone over our limits in carbon. So we're going to have to punish you all by forbidding uh, X amount of you not to have any heat this winter. And I'm not kidding you. You're going to hear this in your lifetime. I'm not kidding you at all. You wait and see. You wait and see. I've listened to things myself throughout my life, thinking, oh, surely this wouldn't happen, that wouldn't happen. But believe you me, they do happen. Because these planners mean business. And it's not meant to make sense. It's meant that you simply do what you're told and obey. That's what they want. Obedient, obedient, cooperative people. As they train them in school the same way. And they'll give you lots and lots of entertainment. Lots of it. To make up so that most folk would be quite content. That's what Aldous Huxley touched on. That people would be quite content to be slaves. When you take Aldous Huxley, who wrote Brave New World, amongst other books. And he wrote that in the 1930s as well. But in the 1960s he gave a speech. Yeah, 61 I think it was. In the State Department's Voice of America. He, he, he does, which they wrote up. But he said that um, a world of psychologically manipulated slaves living in a concentration camp of the mind, enhanced by propaganda and psychotropic drugs, learning to love their servitude and abandoning all will to resist, this is the final revolution, he said. And so you have a concentration camp of the mind. Uh, You wouldn't notice it was there, you'd be quite content to be managed. That's really what he's talking about. And again, another associate they had was um, Charles Galton Darwin, who was a physicist, nuclear physicist, who also wrote in his own book, The Next Million Years, about uh, the, 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 the evolution of society as they managed society and they dumbed the people down. He, he said the same thing. The people wouldn't need really their ability to reason things out because the state would be 
doing their thinking for them and making decisions for them. And other ones have parroted the same things since in their own books as well, other managers. So we're pretty well there when you think about it. So it's the final revolution, according to Aldous Huxley. People will learn to love their servitude and they'll abandon all will to resist. After all, will to resist, you see, is such, is such a drag, as it's, isn't it? That's a downer when you have to start thinking about what's really happening, what's going on, when you can literally drift off into all kinds of fantasy that's provided for you and take drugs galore. They're going to legalize a lot more drugs too. Uh, that's no coincidence, by the way, either, that they're all doing it across the board, across the whole world, actually, at the same time. Uh, so whenever you see things managed across different countries at the same time, you're dealing with a world government. I hope you understand that. But um, it's so obvious when you've read their, their books and you see it getting put into action in your own lifetime, much of it, and you're still living through other parts of it, which they're presently working on and bringing forth. It's quite amazing to, to really watch and realize that, sure enough, the world is run pretty well and planned centuries ahead. Centuries. From the dreams of of, of um, the secret societies, you might say, from a couple of hundred years ago to the present day, uh, and the open uh, advocation of this this whole agenda by supposedly reputable uh, organizations is quite something to see uh, when they haven't veered away from any of it, in fact, that was planned such a long time ago. And it's true, if you've, if you've ever mixed with those who are up near the on a higher level, you might say, uh, near the top. Uh, they can be polite and all the rest of it, but believe you me, they, 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 amongst themselves, they, they, they talk about the general population as base, base animals, in fact. They have no affinity for them. They feel nothing really for them. And uh, I've heard some of them myself talk about depopulating other countries and actually working through the United Nations to do so. And the people are not seen as individuals at all. They're just seen as one big human mass by these characters. And they believe it's their, their task to, to sterilize them and depopulate, etc., etc. Quite something. When it's a sea, you can't please them because your own countries are, are supposedly dropping in the West, your native populations, and and they're flooding immigrants in to replace them under the guise to pay off debt, <laughs> if nothing else, to pay off debt. So you can't please them. There's no way of pleasing. It's all uh, this manufactured to bring in this 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 mass, this this gelatinous multicult mass of humanity, which they're going to make work if it kills you. You might say. Uh, they're definitely going to try to keep pounding him, uh, square pegs into round holes to try and make it work and come hell or high water. We are dealing with fanatics. Don't forget that for a second. That uh, when people lose track of, of, of their affinity in with the ordinary people, everybody basically, I don't care who they are across the planet, when they lose track that they're just another one with, with a fancier suit and tie 
um, uh, then you're dealing with dangerous people because they become dangerous and they really truly believe that they have the right to manage you like cattle. And I mean like cattle. And it's a sad, sad thing when that happens because they'll, these are the people who have been caught sterilizing uh, women across the planet and men too, by the way. These are the people who sit and talk about uh, the effects of GMO and different chemicals, etc., knowing darn well that the cancerous effect and the effect on our populations. And remember, too, and much of it too, much of the stuff that we, we take today won't show till the second or third generation. That's what they found with soya, for instance, the modified soya, uh, that the, even with the mice and the rats, the first generation had less than normal offspring. The second generation had, had even less again, and the third generation was pretty well sterile. <laughs> so uh, there's nothing uh, surprising about this at all. You're living through an agenda, an agenda which has wars on the go all over the place, and real people uh, in your own countries stand over maps and so on and ponder where they're going to slaughter next, and they actually do this and get, they actually get paid for doing so. And they'll see their target enemy, whoever it happens to be today, uh, the same way as, as the ones who work with the United Nations and go across the world uh, helping to sterilize women. Uh, it's the same thing on the go. Uh, we're not ruled by beneficent people. We're not ruled by decent people. We're, deal, we're, we're, we're ruled by very scary people. And they're fanatical, especially the ones who... Have been going, have gone through their sciences, and they really each one, each one of the sciences believe it should dominate the other sciences. By the way, uh, if you want to see um, delusions of grandeur, you, you should listen to some of the top scientists at diff- in different schools of thought and theory, and how they fight with each other like you would not believe. And they want the right to to apply their sciences upon all of us, all kinds of sciences, not just psychology. It's uh, rather frightening, but that's what you live in, in this world. And uh, these are dangerous and scary times because the days of stopping this agenda, I think, are pretty well gone. Now they're so into the agenda, and this is the 21st century, I think it's dangerous to even talk about certain things now. It really is. In fact, it's kind of forbidden but to even talk about certain things now. And if you're too close to the mark on anything, you could be... You could have a, a terrible accident, put it that way, or see another bad infection that might kill you off. That's how bad things are today. Just like Russell talked about, how they'd bump off ones who had intelligence of the oligarchy and could be a threat down the road. They, they didn't, he, he wasn't kidding about that. Not at all. I can remember all the different uh, inoculations that they forced upon the, the children in Britain, who generally got it at the schools, didn't know they were going to get it most of the time. And uh, what a better way to <laughs> eliminate uh, most of the, any, any problems down the road. Uh, they might just have bad reactions to inoculations or had a certain batch just for them. Um, and that's not unthinkable either, because as I say, these people at the top meant business then, 
and the main business today. Bertram Russell and the Macy Group and other ones I mentioned uh, earlier were given permission by President Eisenhower, first Truman, then Eisenhower, then of uh, World War II, to create a whole new culture for the West to manage society. And they went to it with zeal and lots of money and all academia and Ivy School universities were in on the big act and have never stopped since. Other people that Russell worked with uh, were people like uh, Theod Adorno. And Adorno was part of the Frankfurt School. A guy who was... Oh, he hated society by all that I've read in his particular works. And he he wrote a work, a book, on the philosophy of modern music. He said that the purpose of modern music is to drive the listener insane. And he said, uh, and he, he was justifying it, by the way, this is where he was going to take music. Back then, they tried to use jazz. It didn't really take off in, in countries like Britain. It did in some parts of Europe, but even that got knocked out eventually when they brought in, and he was part of that too, promoting and pushing um, the new types of pop, which eventually became rock as well. But he he said that the modern society was a hotbed of evil uh, authoritarianism, basically blaming the parents for it too. And he said that that would create uh, that created a form of fascism, basically, the fascism of the family, because they want they want the family destroyed, in other words, to, to create a world society where everybody would be obedient to the authority at the top. And he says um, only by first uh, destroying civilization. This is what he wanted to do in his organization, through the spread of all forms of cultural pessimism and perversity. Could liberation occur? He said that more music was, it's not the schizophrenia is directly expressed therein, but the music imprints upon itself an attitude similar to that of the mentally ill. The individual brings about his own disintegration. This is what I wanted to do with whole society, disintegration. He imagines um, he imagined the fulfillment of, of a promise through magic, but nonetheless within the realm of immediate actuality, his concern is to dominate the schizophrenic traits through the aesthetic consciousness. And so doing, it would hope to vindicate insanity as true health. Think about this, turning all upside down till insanity is truly health. Necrophilia, as he said, is the ultimate expression of true health in this sick society. And these are the people who were given authority to recreate society. They would be like the Huxley one, dumb, <laughs> happy, content, in a concentration camp of the mind, but quite happy, and they would give themselves up willingly for all their entertainment and their fun and, and their enjoyment. If you think these people wrote about this, remember they wrote about this in a time when people would have, if, they, if they, people could have got a hold of these characters, um, they'd have been big, big trouble, put it that way. <laughs> but today, uh, no one no one cares because it's pretty well happened, a lot of it. So they don't really care. And they don't realize, as I say, that agendas are done and, and worked out uh, and tested 
about 100 years before they're eventually applied upon the whole populace. If nothing else, I hope that by reading history, you might not get conned so easily in the present times that we live in by anyone. Um, And be careful of everyone, basically question everyone. It gives you information, me as well. I always try and give you the sources, but uh, it's up to you to think for yourself. I've always stated that, think for yourself. Don't be swayed by emotions and nonsense and and rhetoric. Um, rhetoric that's programmed into you to respond to in the right kind of way um, by emotions. Hollywood, remember, especially in the U.S., has, has created a whole system of emotional responses by uniforms, certain images, and so on, uh, that gets immediate responses from the people. And tears and everything is quite easy for them to do. And it's been done for a very good reason, because the U.S. is, the, is really the battering ram uh, that's used today uh, to, to finish off this job of globalism and pay for it too, and and uh, not just blood, but money and everything else, material, and lots and lots of taxation to pay for all. But yeah, don't be don't be fooled so easily. Uh, and it's and it's very good when you can actually be honest with yourself to do with the emotional responses. If you ever wonder about them, watch the movie Wag the Dog, a movie more realistic, not just by by what it shows you, by the, the button uh, pressing uh, techniques of emotions. It's instilled into you, but also by the fact they pretty well used a lot of the stuff in that movie uh, when they actually went to war uh, over in a place near a place in the actual movie. But uh, they had the you had the Kosovo War on the go, and a lot of the things they they used to to get that going too. They also used parts of it as well for the Gulf War, the first Gulf War. You'll see it for yourself. It's worth watching. It's a good comedy too, but it's just it's very slick comedy. And but the, the things that you see, very right down smart bombs getting used with pinpoint accuracy, going down the chimneys of uh, of factories or whatever it was, in one of their enemies. Uh, that actually had the same propaganda with with the Gulf War One. They kept talking about surgical strikes and pinpoint precision. Which made you forget that there was there were slaughtering people. <laughs> That's what it was about too. Uh, but uh, but it does show you how they could press the buttons on the population, intending to fool the population into a war, basically, that really didn't happen. The one in Wag the Dog, that is. But you'll see the techniques being used. It's really good. Now, as I said before, uh, there's very little for news these days. And what we do get really is more like handouts, to an extent, to do with um, what we if, we, if we read at all, most people don't even read the papers anymore, but for the few that do, they either want you to literally think that important things are happening, leave it to professionals, and don't don't be concerned about it, basically. It's all up to professionals. Well, we don't vote these professionals in when they belong to private organizations. And one of the articles is to do with the British exit, because, remember, uh, <laughs> that they're ticked off, supposedly, about the fact that Britain may not be going. I can't see Britain leaving it, because they won't let, it, they won't let them leave. They'll drag it on forever. 
It says, what does Brexit mean for Canada? A lot, unfortunately. And this is by Armand de Mistral. And um, who is this Armand de Mistral? Well, you find that uh, he's an emeritus professor of law at McGill University in Canada uh, and uh, Jean Monnet uh, Chair in the Law of International Economic Integration. They work for, for CG, which is really an important um, Canadian Council on Foreign Relations Department, you might say. Their job is specialising, using a university as well, and recruiting from university people to, to manage international governance. And so but, so they, they work and write, I think, in the Council on Foreign Relations papers, etc., uh, for global government. But So this is what they give for news. When you read it, it's, it's authoritarian in the way that they speak. This is the Ides of March have come and gone with a hand-delivered letter to Brussels. Prime Minister Theresa May uh, has served notice under Article 50 of the Treaty on European uh, Union of Britain's intention to withdraw. Thank you and goodbye was a simple reply of Donald Tusk, uh, the President of the European Council, who received historic missive. I will now convene a summit of EU leaders on April 29 to adopt guidelines for Brexit negotiations that are expected to last up to two years. So there you go, two years for that alone. They can do a lot of mayhem in two years. The Dutch elections with their ugly increase in support for an anti-immigration party. Now, there again, now, now here again, here's, here's a biased phrase in there, of course, uh, for, for the Dutch elections with their ugly increase in support for an anti-immigrant party were held in... But, but let's see, is... Is Holland a sovereign nation or not here? You know, because if the people in the nation want one thing or another, whether you like it or not, it's the right to, to do so. But why why is this Canadian organization, this globalist agenda organization, having this nasty, nasty little almost a, a school teacherly slap on the wrist because they're not they're not happy with what's happening here? Um, maybe there's reasons for the party getting or getting some support. Huh? And and we know there are uh, in different countries in Europe, which is turning into an awful mess. We know this is true. And uh, it doesn't matter of the mayhem that's caused. We're supposed to suffer it for a whole generation, if need be, or even into the next generation. We know that too. And their masters have spoken. We, we haven't been given any say in the matter. And that's why people are getting really ticked off about things across the world. We're fed up of these private globalist organizations running our lives. We don't vote them in. Yet they seem to be running the governments. And the reason is, as I've gone before, that the big organization that came up with the idea of the do-it-all, using the old British Commonwealth system as the, as the base for it all, Talked about it, and then they, they, they blossomed into the Royal Institute for International Affairs, private organization, Council on Foreign Relations, private organizations, and the European um, Institute for International Affairs uh, for the whole of the European Union now, private organization. So, yeah, people are getting fed up with it and, and, and uh, getting things rammed down their throats that they don't really like. And they have a right to be upset. Of course they have a right to be upset. So I won't read this kind of thing here, this uh, again. It's, it's almost like, well it is, it's written by bureaucrats. These characters are really bureaucrats. 
who are dedicated uh, to a life of, of good pay, checks for themselves. Uh, and naturally, um, they're not going to turn against it and say, well, maybe the public should run their own lives. It's not going to happen, you see. Anyway, they're going about Canada's U.S. relationships fundamental to Canada's economic security. And then the relationship with Europe matters very much as well. And it says, Ottawa's just signed the Canada-EU Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement called CETA and will shortly be in force. CETA is a major achievement for Canada. Now, what Canada are they talking about here? You understand when they talk about a country like Canada, Canadians don't even know this is going on. They don't get to say anything about it or, 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 or even vote on it. It's all done by the big corporate heads. And that's what I mean. Your country is really a big corporation at the top. And again, if, you, if you're like one of um, Huxley's trained, conditioned people, you, you won't be bothered about what your, your managerial class are doing you know, above you is going to affect you. You won't be bothered. You'll be quite happy and content. And most folk, unfortunately, are. That they're being trained, you see, they're being trained gradually and, and speeding up now that um, don't be involved. It's not if you're, don't even make it your business to know what's going on. Just go and play and be happy. You're being trained and trained and trained and trained. And that is the goal. That is the goal. Eventually they're going to do away with democracy. I've read the articles from a lot of the heads of organizations like this talking about democracy, you know, it doesn't work and blah, 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 blah. And even the terms they use here, global economic governance. And certainly, uh, you know that money is a big, big weapon. It makes or breaks. But I tell you, I'll put this article up and then modernizing NAFTA, a new deal for the North American economy in the 21st century. And uh, they seem to be going ahead as though it's still quite intact, regardless of Trump being in. And it shouldn't surprise people, I think, too. But um, they also look at the... I don't even think you realize that you've we've already signed lots and lots of agreements, not just the one main one on any one, you have but three uh, for each one, three different types that you sign, which gets you around. If they, if they pull out of one, there are two uh, still make it happen. I've, I've done years and years and years of these boring, boring, boring articles, and I know what I'm talking about. But uh, they want to modernize and integrate. And that's the plan, of course, was the North American Free Trade Agreement was to go into a totally, uh, a totally integrated um, one governmental system like the European Union. And I read the articles at the time when they had these big meetings uh, and even discussed possibly having a, a, a parliament for the Americas in, um, in Montreal, they said, at that time. I think it was 2005 or so. And then we've got um, CFR backgrounders. I'll put this up to in a group of seven. They've kicked uh, Russia out at the moment, it seems, because they're not too happy with Russia. So it's back to seven for a while. It says it's an informal block of industrialized democracies. Well, you don't vote for them either. It's this, this, this club that they formed amongst themselves. <laughs> but uh, as I say, you're, you're managed, you see. 
and and you truly are managed right down to to how you you you've been trained in school and how your children are getting trained or brainwashed and and they will sacrifice a lot in life uh, to save the world and the planet and they'll, and they'll pay all our carbon taxes which is really going to make trillions of dollars every year uh, for the boys managing it all at the top it's a great con they don't have to even have warehouses to store anything they just say they got it and um it's a mass. It's going to really equal the 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 futures trading market, basically, and derivatives uh, mass because they're going to trade all these so-called carbon credits for things they don't even have. It's a, it's a good magic trick. It's it's good, and um, you need a good bit of imagination to believe that this this is based on anything at all. Now, the Guardian newspaper in Britain has got articles talking about Donald Trump is all for. So they claim. In their article, it seems to be anyway, is all for the geoengineering of the planet, the chemtrails and all that, etc., uh, etc. Et and um, who knows? Because I say, it's, it's, it's going to be trillions of dollars every year, right from the public, and incredible power to manage life on the planet. If you, if you, if you can even have, have children or not have children to save the world, where you can live, where you can't live, can you heat yourself or just die freezing like Britain? And and so on and so on. It's it's really quite amazing uh, this this racket of nonsense. But this is the agenda they dreamed up years ago. And I went through the articles from the the Club of Rome that were given the task, this big think tank, given the task of finding reasons uh, to 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 manage the planet by world managers, basically. And they said they they looked at all different tech things they could possibly use on the public. And they said that that that, that I, they came up with the idea that apart from plagues and things like that. That that um, drought and uh, global warming and things like that that could fit the bill. Before that, of course, they had the, the coming ice age and that didn't work out either. So they just tossed that aside and came up with global warming. But said that would fit the bill uh, and uh, scary techniques and things to make folk go along with it. Uh, so that that's what it came, they, literally they came up with. They literally had a think tank sit in a brainstorming of how to terrify the public into giving up their rights to manage themselves. And that's what, that's what they, they settled on. That would do the job. But the boys at the top, they have the big banks for, for <laughs> trading carbon credits. I'll be raking in cash like you won't believe. Quite some. Now, Article 2 is um, Harvard engineers who launched the biggest uh, solar geoengineering research program and get a dangerous boost from Donald Trump. The environmental organizations are warning. Well, we don't know if that's true or not. We'll have to wait and see. And it uh, wouldn't surprise me, mind you. And also differences, um, cloud IMF in the World Bank meetings. Uh, it's an article about the World Bank, which the meetings going, are going right now in the US, I think, there. And uh, free trade, etc. The IMF, uh, the World Bank, all meeting together to, to do with their, their big global agenda. And sure enough, <laughs> we're, being, we're certainly are run by the big, 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 big bankers at the top that seem to run governments as well. But the geoengineering articles, as I've said before, we've been doing it steadily, geoengineering daily pretty well, from 1998. That's when it all really started in earnest across Canada and parts of the States. And they know darn well what they're causing. Uh, uh, they know the aluminum oxide is, is basically causing incredible lung problems in the people. It's, it's affecting uh, the soil. Monsanto came out with patented um, plants and so on that they've, they've, they've modified to survive in aluminum-rich soil now. 
And um, but we know that you know Alzheimer's too. When they do the postmortems on on Alzheimer's patients, they have high concentrations of aluminum in their brains. We all we know that these are all tested things through medicine uh, over many many years. So we're breathing this stuff in. It also uh, has a propensity for clotting blood. So if you send the lungs and the bloodstream, it can cause blood clots. But it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter, you see. Now they want to add barium and, um, and even uh, various sulfur combinations and compounds into the air as well. To save us all, you understand. That's the, that's the rubbish we're being told. And there'll be lots of fallouts. There will be depopulation with this. But you better believe it. Uh, but the big elites themselves... Um, who already live like beyond the dreams of kings in any age before. Uh, they they certainly will be a lot lot richer, and they can certainly build themselves better bases for continuity of survival uh, when they bring on mayhem across the planet uh, onto all of us. It's sad, isn't it, to realise that you really don't have a a say in what goes on. You really, really don't. Uh, unless you, you're willing to parrot and work for them uh, and be one of them, basically, like Russell said. Uh, then they might, they, if you're clever enough, they might uh, promote you. But uh, otherwise, forget it. Any any contrary opinion to the, the chronology that runs the world, it's all chronology, is not going to be permitted. And they're getting very, very serious about it today. Very serious indeed. But uh, I hope you're all surviving all of this nonsense that's going on and all the mayhem that's going on. And uh, and I hate to say it, but uh, when Trump talked about making America great again, that the first thing that was sprung to my mind was wars. It seems to be the one thing that, that springs to your mind when you talk about making America great again. Uh, America at one time did not have to and didn't um, make itself great by wars, but for a long, long time now it has, unfortunately. And it's sad to see it happening. And we, we know it's the same agenda as the Bush Jr. group, to finish it all off rather quickly. Uh, that's actually what, uh, what the deal was, it seems to be. And, um, and lots of folk are, are saying that they've all been had, you know. And they're waiting to see, etc. And but uh, there's no doubt about it. The U.S. troops have been mobilised. They're they're going over to the Middle East, etc. And it gets awfully monotonous, doesn't it? And you wonder why on earth are Americans even in that that whole region? But then you can't really ask too deeply. From myself, Alan Watt, from Ontario, Canada. It's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.